Welcome to 2D Pokies Under the Influence. My name is Pete Berthod, and my co-host is Robbie Dowling. Virginia Tech beat Georgia Tech 45 to nothing, Robbie. It was an awesome, awesome beat down to watch. How you feeling? I'm loving it. I, I mean, could we ask for anything more? So it it was perfection, and we were a little bit worried about GT. I wouldn't say a lot worried, but a little bit worried, and it played out as about as well as you could have hoped. Yeah. Now, I'm not sure it could have gone much better unless we kept the pedal down in the fourth quarter, but why don't you give us a cheers? So I'm going to do... I'm just going to do it to the coaching staff that was getting a lot of heat, uh, an incredible amount of heat, uh, and they came out, and we'll talk more about it, but a really great showing by the team, keeping everybody motivated, focused, and I hope it keeps up, but I'll give them a cheers because they they got uh, a little bit of scrutiny earlier this year, and things have turned around greatly, so how about a cheers to them? Cheers. Yeah, we might have even given those coaches a little heat. Uh, I think, I think everyone was kind of, uh, kind of out on the staff, on the offensive coordinator, on the head coach, um, even you know calling out Bud's defense a little bit after that Duke game. And we've since heard the AD after Duke, and that's how this team has treated this season. And man, what a turnaround! It continues, and uh, yeah, impressive win over a team that's had our number three years in a row. I was also happy to see so many Hokie fans down in Atlanta in the, on, in the game in the stands. That was awesome. It was incredible. I they zoomed in on them, so it may have looked like more. But I felt like there was a fair, fairly good turnout. I don't know what your thoughts were, and and it's always hard to put that in perspective when you have the cameras zoomed in on the fan base. But heck yeah, Hokie yeah. fans showing up in Atlanta. I love it. And Fuente mentioned it too, so I feel like it was a it was a very good showing. It probably helps that Georgia Tech's not having a great year, and we're on a little bit of a a hot streak, so that was nice. And uh, yeah, let's get to these news and notes before we tear into a little bit more. AP poll came out, and the Hokies are in. If you told me we were gonna get ranked after the Duke game, I would have thought you were crazy. And we are number twenty-five in the AP poll. Only two ACC teams ranked, no Pitt, no UVA. It is us. Nobody would have expected this after that Duke game. I don't, I'm not sure anybody would have expected it after we lost to BC. And looking in hindsight, you think about that BC game, and that, that wasn't the worst problem of the year. It's, it's pretty incredible that we cracked the top 25, at least in the AP poll, which I imagine you're getting on to the rest yeah. of the poll next. The college football playoff rankings did come out about an hour ago, and we're not in that poll. There are five G5 teams in there, including Appalachian State and SMU squeaked in at number 25. Navy did fall out, but you still got Cincinnati and Boise State and Memphis. Yeah. So you can make an argument that what. <laughs> The only two teams that are any good that Appalachian State beat were South Carolina and UNC, who are both four and six, or and I think actually South Carolina's four and seven. But we have three losses, so it's it's kind of hard to argue. But you could say that the Wake win and the uh, Miami win are better than anything that Appalachian State has. Well, and the one point loss to Notre Dame, and I know we talked through all the statistics on that. So 
between those three, I think there's a, if, if we played anything like we did against Wake Forest and we just played in this last game, I think we would smoke probably four out of five of those teams and the college football playoff committee is supposed to be picking the best teams, but guess what? I don't really care. I'm just happy. We got to win. And I'm not picking on Appalachian State. I, you could say the same things about SMU and their schedule, and but those teams all have like one loss for the most part. So you, when you have three losses, it's hard to say, hey, we should be in there. But there's a four-loss team in the rankings. I think Iowa State's in there. So um, the best four-loss team in the country, I guess. Is that because the they beat Oklahoma? Isn't that the the, uh, the win? They for came them? within one point of beating oh, Oklahoma. Sorry. Yeah, yes. the two-point conversion didn't didn't convert. Didn't so, go through. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's it is what it is. If we beat Pitt, we're going to be in the rankings next week. So, and and none of this matters. It's just fun conversation. All. It's fun for uh, it matters to the school to like put it in the press release and you know put it in their their historical standings. Like we've been in the top twenty-five this many weeks, whatever. Um, it's helpful for those reasons. But hey, the recognition is there. We got ranked for the first time in a while. It feels good. And now I want to not screw it up. I want to beat Pitt and I want to beat UVA and I want to get ranked in all the polls. <laughs> I couldn't agree more. It doesn't matter, but it's fun to talk about. That's for sure. The UVA game got scheduled. It's going to be at noon on ABC on Black Friday. Some people were complaining about that. What are your thoughts on that time slot, Robbie? I don't know if you want my thoughts. I, I came out as a, a harsh critic here. It's just dumb. Uh, I don't. I know some people. If the timing worked out for you, because some people are able to do stuff that they had planned that day, that's that's great. But like in the grand scheme of things, for everybody collectively as a fan base, it doesn't make any sense. And it's the day. It's Black Friday. The tough part, yeah. Is that some people have work. Some people are still traveling back from, you know, they stayed overnight on Thanksgiving night. It's it's a little bit annoying. But I think Chris Coleman or someone on Twitter said, you know, those games on ABC at noon get rated better than a game at night on ESPN. I, I don't really care about the ratings. I care about when it's convenient for me to watch. <laughs> I, and that's, you hit it right on the head. I don't care how many people are tuning in to watch the game. I care about how many Hokie fans are able to tune in and watch the game. And and for that for that matter, how many UVA fans are allowed to watch their own game? And I know a number of people that are no longer going to the game. They can't because it doesn't make any sense trying to wake up the morning after a hungover from either food or beer or both from Thanksgiving, getting on the road leaving whatever relative's house that you're at or your own house and then trying to make a game just isn't feasible at whatever time you would have to get up and and go it's i don't it's i don't look at it as like the whole disrespect card i just look at it as not a good decision and i don't really care if it's on espn or on abc i don't care if i don't care if a minnesota fan is watching our game i care if a virginia tech fan is watching our game well, I'll put out the good side of it. And me and you texted a little bit about this earlier today that on the field, I think a noon time slot when you're on the road is better. I think it gives the fans less time to tailgate, get there, like you said, uh, get rowdy, whatever. It's it's better for the visiting team to play a noon game than a night game. I just think the prospects are better. Uh, but 
I'll I'll still gonna be watching it. Doesn't matter if it's at noon. I will take the day off if I have to. I will get wherever I gotta be. I will be watching that game at noon for sure. Yep. We got a commitment from a four-star quarterback, Demetrius Davis. It was a huge commitment. He's number one forty-three nationally in the composite. Uh, the best recruiting news we've gotten since signing day, I'd say, when we got Doug Nestor. He's a massive get for this program. Couldn't agree more. This was one of the rare times where I didn't read anything about him and I actually watched the film first. A lot of times I'll go on to the key play or whatever the case may be, read comments about somebody, and it probably influences my take on him and whoever he is, you know, the the commit. This time I just watched the film first and I was extremely impressed. His pocket presence, he's got wheels, and his ability to make reads downfield, multiple reads, not just one or two. He was looking at at sometimes three wide receivers and doing checkdowns. It was just really, really impressive. A huge commit if he... Uh, and I'm hoping that he sticks with us. And, and on top of that, he's coming out of Texas, and it's starting to build this kind of narrative that we might be getting more players out of the state that evidently he's really well known uh, amongst high school kind of you he know, won the state championship people. on a Hail Mary, right? Yeah. And it's caught the attention of other people and maybe it leads to more for us. Yeah. Not only good at the reads uh, that you were mentioning in the past game, but good at the read option and the way he moves running wise. I mean, he, he's already like a, a sensational runner. And he's only going to get bigger and stronger. Uh, I, I'm excited as hell about getting him. And it starts to shift the uh, the focus from the 2020 class that's been a little disappointing into this 21, 2021 class, which everyone's very hopeful we can pull in an awesome recruiting class in 2021. So we will see. The pick and winner this week was Larry McDaniel and James Jewett. You both tied with 11 correct. Congratulations. Larry has now moved up to second overall behind Jason Maliski. Uh, we got a tweet from Sarah Berlin saying that her picks did not save this week. So she was, she was heartbroken. Uh, she dropped she down dropped, to 11. She dropped, she's, she's, she's close to me now. She's and, dead even with you and yeah. you both missed a week. So it's, 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 it's fair as fair. Um, but yeah, you're, you're an 11th overall, I believe. Yeah. With a, a missed week. I gotta say, I'm I'm pretty proud of that. It's, you've done uh, you've done amazing. I am having a terrible season. I think I got six this past week. In our podcast picks, I'm pretty much neck and neck with you. Yes, but in in the pick 'em picks, I am struggling big time. I did have one more news and note before we get to the game recap. We did the live show in Philly this past weekend. It went great. I wanted to thank. Um, Joshua Oglesby and Eric Gallo for coming out and doing the show. We had a nice little turnout at the Rap Shack, and it, hopefully you heard the recording by now. I posted it earlier in the week. Go back and listen to it if you haven't. Those two guys, they couldn't have been nicer, and they couldn't have really been more eloquent. You know, you don't know what you're going to get when someone who's not used to talking on a microphone, even me, I suck sometimes at it. Uh, and they were so good. They really were. They gave great answers. They didn't just say yes or no, or, you know, give one sentence. They elaborated, they were candid. 
they were open and honest. So I, I thought it was awesome. I thought there was some good insight into the program. We kind of ran out of time, so we didn't get to talk too much about the 2019 Hokies. But Eric did give a little bit of his perspective on Fuente and the changeover to the offense when he came in and things like that. So it, it was a valuable listen. And, and I love talking to Josh, too, because he played with some legends in the backfield with Evans and Wilson and Ryan Williams, who Josh did say was the best running back he's ever seen play. I love it. It's so, it's so incredible to hear those types of players that are there watching them, not even in game time situations, but in practice and hearing what they, they saw in practice and just the athleticism and the talent of some of those players that's the kind of stuff you're really not going to get anywhere else. So it's pretty, it's pretty great how open they were and honest about, about everything. And that's not always easy because they still know, well, more than know uh, players on the team. They have, they have family members on the team. Yeah, that's right. Eric's mm-hmm. brother's on the team. So he, he, he could have been selecting his word, words carefully, but you wouldn't have known it. Let's hop into the game recap. This is going to go pretty quick. <laughs> We punted on the first drive, and after that, we scored TDs on our next three drives. We got a pick six from Farley a little bit later. We added the field goal. We went into the half 31-0. We added two more TDs in the third quarter and pretty much shut it down in the fourth. We won 45 to nothing. That's <laughs> about as concise <laughs> as you can get right there. There was nothing to talk. There was no highlights from Georgia Tech, like not a single one. Yeah, uh, it was I, incredible. I thought the story of the game was the dominating defense, go figure, and the steady and consistent offense. And I, we could have kept scoring. We could have put up 60, 65 points. We could have put up 500 yards of offense. We simply didn't need to. But when they were out there and functioning as they were supposed to, they were steady and consistent, and they got down the field, and they got scores. And we left points on the board, I think, even on above that, that when we had the trick play that ended up, you know, ending in a, a field goal. The weirdest part of all of it is I easily could have seen another 10 points that we could have put up on on them and unbelievable performance and just a huge just a team shout out almost to Bud the way that the defense executed exactly as they should have for the schemes that he comes up with and some of the things that have been, you know, what we've come to know Bud Foster and his defense to do. Let me reel off a couple of the the defensive achievements in this game. We only gave up 2.39 yards per play. That was the third best defensive performance of the Fuente era. In the first half, we only gave up 1.9 yards per play. So, so when it actually mattered, we were giving up less than two yards per play. Uh, Ten of their first eleven drives for Georgia Tech were three plays or less. Oh my goodness! <laughs> like, a couple of those in, involved uh, turnovers, but three plays or less for ten out of their first eleven drives. Ninety-six of their yards, which I only think they had a hundred and thirty-four. Ninety-six of the yards came on their last two drives, which was complete garbage time against most of our backups. So. We kind of only gave up 50 yards in the game. <laughs> That's disturbing. <laughs> if, uh, when it if, mattered, we gave up about 40 or 50 yards. <laughs> yeah, and you had a Georgia Tech program that after they played UVA tough, they played Pitt tough, was probably thinking, hey, things are going better than we would have expected this year. And that just went out the window in this yeah. game. It, it's, it's, I hate to bring they it up. They ran into a good team for once. <laughs> yeah, it, well... <laughs> 
I mean, listen, I don't mind throwing heat at them because we we experienced the Duke game. So yeah. guess what? We've been on the other side of a game like that. So I don't mind giving this entire team props when it's it's due. Yeah, we held Graham, their quarterback, to 43 yards passing and two interceptions. He eventually left the game. They brought in the backup. The backup went four of 11. We had four sacks, eight tackles for loss. Crawford is starting to become a problem on the defensive line, just dominating 1.5 sacks in the game and just causing disruption in what seemed like on every play. Only 1.7 yards per rush to a team that prides themselves on their running game. Their lead back, who had like 700-some yards on the season, Jordan Mason, had negative yardage in the game. Now, that was because of a kind of a botched snap, but to get negative means he wasn't doing too good before that. That run defense is getting so good. It's getting really impressive. Dax, and we'll hit on this side of it. I have some offensive stuff I want to hit as well because it was... It wasn't equally impressive in terms of metrics, but I think it was honestly a great day for them. Dax had his, what's this, his third straight game with an interception, just finding so. himself yep. in the right place at the right time and and putting a move on on players. Two interceptions, one return for a, a touchdown, like you mentioned. And above all of that, above all the stats, everything, when you watch the game, they were all over the place, and it looked, quite honestly, it, it looks, every week it looks like a whole different team than I think we, we came to, to understand. And it, honestly, this now is starting to exceed what my expectations were when we started the season for, for this team, and it's pretty incredible. Connor and Tisdale, in addition to Dex, are playing at such a high level Jamari Connor led the team in tackles, played a great game. Bud is going out with a bang right now. I mean, you look at what he did against Wake. Now what he's done to pitch another shutout, adding to the list on his career. And we have two teams coming up that also don't play good offense. It's starting to like, it's kind of getting me excited here because the, the profile of the next two teams we play, Pitt and UVA, is similar to Georgia Tech. Like, offense is just mediocre. Offensive line, meh but they have a solid defense. Well, we just saw what we did to a team that was kind of made up a similar way, a level down, but a similar makeup. Yeah, I agree with that. I, and I do want to hit on some of the offensive notes because it was, it, For it, sure. it was as equally, not equally as impressive. The defense was fantastic, but it's 45 points. And so I would a shout, huge shout out to the QB position. You and I talked about how we'll get to hooker in a second how we were going to need QP again. He, we needed him. He came into the game, and he played really, really well in, in the instance that we needed him. Hooker, 9 for 13, 159 yards, one pass TD, another two on the ground. He's now has thrown zero interceptions through, I guess, five games he's played. Five his, starts, yep. Then the, the weirdest stat that I came across and then this is a little bit skewed because we had two quarterbacks that came into the game. Eight players, including the two QBs, um, got got touches in the run game. Then you go over to what what we thought was our bread and butter, which was more of the pass game, and only six wide receivers caught a pass in the game. Mitchell had a great game, and he played really well. He's really starting to you know come into his own, but 
we almost went the opposite direction that we would have become accustomed to, which is the struggling run game and the strong pass game that's complementing it and, and making it a little bit more effective. That's a lot of touches uh, it, it, for a running game that I don't think any of us were very high on. They're starting to figure it out. Yeah, eight different ball carriers, six of which had 29 yards or more. You had King with the touchdown. Hooker had the two rush TDs. And you brought up Quincy. It seemed like he didn't play that much. He still had over 100 total yards in the game and a touchdown. And you're right. He is so valuable uh, if Hooker does have to go out of the game or needs a break or whatever. Because in the earlier in the game when QP came in, that was because of an injury or because of a resetting of something going on, whether it was Hooker's shoulder. I, I don't know what it was, but Hooker had to leave the game for a moment. And fortunately, we have a guy who can step in. Now, Quincy is not Hooker when it comes to the read option or in the passing game, but he can still make some plays. And he had two completions in the game. One went for zero yards. The other one went for 64 yards. So, And it was a perfect pass. To the pass King was on the unbelievable. And the play, the play call was so perfect. Uh, if you haven't, or you should check out French's review of, of that pass in particular because it's it's a thing of beauty. And the offensive line absolutely bullied Georgia Tech. It was yeah. uh, incredible. That position, which is so hard for guys like you and me to evaluate when it, like how good it is week to week. In this game, there was just there was no question. I mean, mm-hmm. they were blocking so well. They were the 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 holes that they were opening up on some of those runs, especially at the goal line, were just incredible. Uh, you know, that's that's tough for us to to see week in and week out, but in this game, it was it was pretty obvious. Yeah, and you you've kind of said that the defense probably deserves more credit in this game. Well, the offense was 7.56 yards per play. That's the most since 2012 against wow. an FBS opponent. We we had more against William and Mary. Uh, I think last year, but against an FBS opponent, that is the most yards per play in seven seasons. Wow. <laughs> so, so uh, the offense came to play in this game, and and they were awesome. Hooker with the three touchdowns. His QBR in this game was ninety three point four, a hundred and ninety seven quarterback rating. His quarterback rating continues to be through the roof. If if he was qualified, he'd be the eighth highest rated passer in the country. Uh, he he would need more snaps, but. His five games, I'll put up against anybody's five games. He has been playing so well. And the team in those games is scoring 40 points in all of his starts on average compared to 22 and a half when he's not starting. It's a big difference that he makes. And I can't wait to see how he finishes out the season. I just want him to stay healthy. That's that's what I want the most. Yeah. I got a little bit worried when he got a little bit dinged. I continue to and... It wasn't a great day for quarterbacks when Tua goes out and you yeah. see what happens you know to him and uh luckily I just I just hope he stays healthy and we keep playing. Do you want to go through this long list of uh negatives that for me consists of almost a bullet and I'll give it maybe a bullet and a half. Sure, go ahead. Uh I think this was your your tweet and then I had to go into the stats, the third down efficiency. I think it needs to improve. That's probably on your list, I imagine. Uh, mm-hmm. I robbed that one from from you uh, as I was going through stats. Yeah, and just focusing. 25% on third down the last three games 
Uh, that's not going to get it done against Pitt and UVA. We got it. We got to get up to forty percent ish on third downs to win those games. Well, especially since Pitt, I think, is something like fifty-five percent, and we'll get into you know that fifty-five percent on third down. They are they're one of the more efficient in 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 that side of things. And um, yeah, that's actually I'm just going to stick with that bullet. That's the only negative I can. The come only up with. other negative thing you already said was that trick play. And I, and I don't really have a problem with it because it was pretty clear we're going to win the game. But that was a little bit silly when you, you risk them running that back for a touchdown and then like it could change the whole game. That Those are my only two negatives, the third down and that, and that trick play. But otherwise, uh, extremely happy with the way the team played. Offensive play calling, defensive play calling, the effort. Uh, we, we just continue to see a, a different team. I mean, the, the summary for me, I don't know if there really needs a summary. I mean, how much we hit on the positives and, and what happened. It was all around outstanding performance. I like that we stayed aggressive in the game. I mean, we went for it right to the end, it really, even when QP was in there. Overall, I thought it was an outstanding performance. Yeah, the special teams, I guess, is the last thing I wanted to mention. Uh, Bradburn is now the number one punter in college football in terms of his average yards per punt. He is a weapon for us, and in these games that could be tight, uh, he could make a big difference these last two games. And I also love Tavion Robinson in the return game to finish out the special teams thought. He's got just that initial like twitch that gets one defender to run past him, and it makes all the difference, something that Grimsley was not doing. Yeah, and go vote for Brad Bradburn if you haven't already, because they're doing online voting for. I, I can't remember. You'll know it, but I won't. The, the Ray uh, Guy Award. The Ray Guy Award, right? And uh, evidently, it's like a fan vote to narrow it down to three people, and then they vote from there. So, if you haven't already, you can find it pretty easily on Twitter or just online in general. Uh, it's on the Hokie football website i think as well go yeah, find I think they it. tweeted it out as well to the website that you can go find let's take a quick beer break before we move on to pittsburgh robbie what are you drinking so this is i think it's a repeat but i saw it and i couldn't remember and i was going to pull it up on my phone on our website but i'm doing the aleworks brewing company coffee house i love I love coffee beer, so it's it's kind of just a, a love of mine. And this is a delicious beer. We may have already ranked it on the podcast. It's not the best I've had. I like some of the mocha ones as well, but Aleworks always seems to put out really good beers. They put out really good pumpkin ale. It's honestly it's the perfect transition to the cold weather that's been rolling in. That said, it's 5.4% by alcohol. So it might be the lowest alcohol content of any beer that I've had on this podcast in a while. <laughs> yeah, you don't normally dip under the six mark. And I love the coffee beers as well. Ale Works, great brewery. I, I don't get to have their stuff enough but because I'm not in Virginia anymore. But I am drinking a Virginia beer tonight. It is from Chubby Squirrel Brewing Company out of Fairfax, Virginia. It's called the Citra Ass Down. You know, I'll give I'll give kudos <laughs> for the title. I like that. It's a double dry hop, double IPA, and it's a New England style. Eight uh, percent alcohol, a lot of lactose sugar in there. It's sweet. 
Uh, it says lactose and oat to spare makes this New England style IPA sweet and hazy. And that's dead on. It's, there's no bite to it at all. It's extremely smooth. Maybe it's just a little bit too sweet, but I still would recommend it. It's uh, the Citra Ass Down. Great, great beer. And, and I never heard of Chubby Squirrel Brewing Company either. I, I assume it's a pretty new operation because the label looks like it was made on like Microsoft Paint. Uh, <laughs> but I'm not going to hold that against them. I probably live about 10 miles from there and I've never heard of it. So uh, I don't know how you would. <laughs> it was established in 2018. So it's it's pretty new. Um, and they might be making like their brewery might be someone's garage. I have no idea. Someone I think it was our buddy Trace brought this down uh, when went down to Richmond a couple weeks ago. All right, let's get into Pittsburgh. November 23rd at 3.30 p.m. on ESPN2. This is a better time slot for Robbie. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and hey, ESPN2, I'm glad it's not on ACC Network. That has caused all, all types of people in different states all kinds of problems. So I'm happy it's on one of the ESPNs. Pitt is 7-3. and three. They're 4-2 and two in the ACC. And they're probably, I don't know, the second best team we've faced this year Miami I guess could be right behind Notre Dame I don't know how you see Pitt but they've beaten UCF and UNC those are their two best wins other than that it's Duke Syracuse Ohio GT and Delaware their losses include UVA Miami and Penn State so no bad losses um and I guess the UCF game, that's a that's a good win. That's at least a team that's over five hundred. <laughs> yeah. It's a it's a little bit wishy washy depending on how you, you want to look at it. And I think it's it's indicative of this team. We're about to get into the offense and the defense, and it's a little bit of tale of two cities in that respect. So I I it's not all that surprising. Though that said, it is Pitt. So, yeah, you know, we, we always got to play that game hard. So let's hop into it. Whether they were seven and three or one and nine, it's pit. And so it's almost just as much as UVA that you can throw out the records in this game. They crushed us last year in one of the most lopsided statistical games you'll ever see. They had over 13 yards per play. I'm pretty sure that would have set the NCAA record if they had had 50 plays, which they didn't run 50 plays, they still beat us, uh, I think, 52-22, I believe was the final score. Narduzzi might finally be living up to that defensive guru moniker he had coming out of Michigan State because this defense is spectacular. But Pitt actually has a worse offensive SP+, than Georgia Tech did going into last week. So could we expect perhaps another shutout against Pitt, Robbie? What do you think? I don't know. So they're averaging 22 points a game, which I think is good for 98th in the country is where I had it at. They're 108th in points per play and 100th in yards per play. So depending on what stat you want to gravitate to, none of them are good. It's 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 pretty bad. 116th in TD percentage in the red zone. I thought that was kind of a key stat. They are not getting it done outside the red zone, and they're even worse inside of it. They're having to settle for a lot of field goal tries, and their field goal kicker is only making two-thirds of his kicks. So these are all very good things. Uh, Kenny Pickett is a guy that kind of got a little overhyped after his first year of starting. If you look at his rating, it has gone down each year that he's played. This year, he's at 61% completion. 10 TDs to 8 picks. That's pretty bad. 
119 QB, uh, 119 quarterback passer rating and a 62 QBR. So the QBR is actually, it's actually decent. The, the rating is terrible. He's also rushing the ball for less than two yards to carry and just got his first two rushing TDs against UNC last week. I, I will say this about Pickett. He had his best game just last week against UNC. That was his best game of the season. You could, you could maybe say he, the the PSU game, he played pretty well, but that wasn't a win, and he didn't score three TDs in that game like he did against UNC. No, I totally agree with that. And yeah, he's he's. I guess if we want to use kind of one game, he's starting to play a little bit better, but his completion percentage and his yards, everything kind of is better than when you get to the 10 TDs to eight interceptions. Really, there's only there's only five people that I would want to mention at all on this offense. And and we already talked about one on in rushing the ball, AJ Davis has 108 for 465 yards and four TDs. And then Sibley has 50 for 249 yards. It's been their, their, their rush has been statistically much worse than their past game. So, you know, keep that in mind as we go into, to this VT game, which is not something you would think about when you think of Pitt. you think of smash mouth, uh, run it down your throat football. And this year Pickett is throwing the ball 40 times a game. That's second most in the country. You know who's in front of him? The kid from Washington State. So, like, they're throwing it almost as much as Mike Leach. That is so weird when you think of pit football. And it's not really doing them any favors. Like, they're playing terrible offense. So, yeah, I'm happy to see that. I'm happy that those two running backs they've had the last three years, the uh, one of the quadries and uh, – can't think of his name, something – something Dylan or whatever, but they're both gone. And they got a couple sophomores in the backfield and, and AJ Davis, like you mentioned, the wide receiver tandem of French and Mac is dangerous, but French is questionable for the game. Some people say he's not going to play. I saw something today saying it was like kind of day to day. So we'll see uh, if he's playing. Okay. 75 receptions over 600 yards, three touchdowns. He's a threat. He's not a big guy. He's not going to go far down the field. He only has an eight yard per catch average. Like that is insanely low for a receiver. Um, Mac is a little bit better. He's at about 12 in terms of his average two TDs, almost 60 catches for him and more yards than French. So Tazir Mac was a guy that was pegged as an all ACC guy coming into the year. He's I guess living up to it, but he's not over 700 yards on the season. You know, we're, we're uh, 10 games into this thing. Shockey Jock Lewis, Great name. That's the guy that's been stepping up with the absence of French. He, in the last two games, has seven receptions and two touchdowns. So he's he's doing an okay job. Uh, but I agree with you fully. There is not a lot of weapons that I worry about on this team. And Kenny Pickett is as average as they come. Yeah, and I think the worst part is, is that French, as we mentioned last year, because he was on the team last year, and I think we brought this up, he has that F, extra F in his name. So it's F F R E N C H, which is for, just, French. Uh, for French. So, uh, I wish people would pronounce it that way, but yeah, I think that's, that's really the, the story of this from the Virginia tech defense and what they have to do is they should be able to hopefully shut down the run game pretty efficiently. And then it's going to come down to marginal efficiency for Pitt. In, in the past game, and quite honestly, the DBs have been playing great. 
I'm with you. With the way our DBs are playing, uh, I don't expect him to have a very good day. Their offensive line, below average. Um, I, I, I'd say average at best, He like, like Pickett. 69th in tackles for loss allowed, 73rd in sacks allowed per game, and 108th in yards per rush. This isn't a group that's getting a lot of push. So with the way our defensive line's playing, tack on the DBs, we're going to be just fine defensively. I, the only way the score can get screwed up is is if we turn it over and they, they you know get a scoop and score, or, you know, a pick six or something like that. But this is a game where they should not score more than 14 17 points is like an absolute max in my opinion. Yeah. I would agree with that. It's as long as we don't turn it over and give them short fields on on some weird scenarios then I would agree with that as long as pit doesn't pit yeah as long as they don't pit and and you know what sometimes they do sometimes they pit <laughs> yeah i'm hoping it doesn't happen here let's talk about their defense uh it's 10th in the sp plus uh, it's seventh in yards per play i got ninth in opposing qb rating seventh in yards per carry allowed you get the idea this is a top 10 borderline elite defense it is very good you could say they haven't faced a lot of tough quarterbacks, haven't faced a lot of tough offenses, but the SP Plus is supposed to be opponent-adjusted, and they're still 10th. They're number one in the country in sacks per game at four and a half sacks per game. They had nine sacks on Syracuse. Now, Syracuse has an awful offensive line, but nine sacks versus anybody is an insane number. Yeah, almost every stat that I could find them, they're nearing top 25. Uh, and and most of the stats that I kind of rattled off early on, which was points per game, you know, points per play, yards per play, their top 25, or I think they're ranked 27 in one of those categories, but it's nearly top 25 across the board. And it's hard. I, I kind of want to, they're, they're, the, the tackle leaders really aren't even the story of this, even though that they're leading everything. The defensive line is just nasty. I mean, it, this is a really strong defensive line. Um, Jalen Twyman has been a monster. He's got nine and a half sacks. I think he's second in the ACC, if I saw it correctly, today. Uh, next to him, you have Deslin Alexander. He's got another five and a half sacks. Fifth in the nation in sack rate. Top 10 in stopping the run. It's pretty much across the board uh, on that side of the the ball and their line is is dangerous yeah and you just named the two sophomores Patrick Jones he's got seven sacks and nine tackles nine and a half tackles for loss but he's got 17 hurries 17 hurries and I don't know if that's we still haven't clarified the fact of if you get if you have a sack do you get a hurry but whatever it that's the most I've seen of anyone that we've looked at this year and uh that's that's scary it, they got a freshman in Habakkuk Baldonado, four sacks for him. And then the only senior on the line is Amir Watts. Pitt also lost their number one tackle for loss guy last year in Rashad Weaver before the season even started. Keyshawn Camp, another one of their defensive lines, went down early in the year. They're not playing at full strength, and it's still the best defensive line in the ACC. And there's only one senior. So this is something that we're going to have to deal with for years to come and I'm kind of annoyed about it for this week coming up. It's a huge test for this young offensive line. Yeah. And the DBs are not that, 
they're far behind only because of how good the line has been. But Paris Ford has 72 tackles. He leads the team. He's got 10 pass breakups, three interceptions, two forced fumbles. Dane Jackson has 11 pass breakups. It's and pass breakups are probably a lot like uh, like you just alluded to. You gotta you gotta take that with a grain of salt, but it shows that they're they're playing well in the in the backfield as well. So, you know, I hate to just sit here and rattle off names, but this is a really good defensive core that they have. Yeah, and if you if you look at the back seven, uh, that's where their depth is. Up front, they're playing really well, but there's not. I would say a ton of depth uh, because they've, they've had the injuries that I mentioned, but in the back it's senior, junior, senior, senior, senior. I mean, it's, there's so many guys that can play and probably the best guy back there is Ford. Who's only a sophomore. So they've, they've got youth, but they've got experience. They got (laughs) so many pass breakups back there. They actually moved Paris Ford, I think from corner last year to safety this year. And you see the tackle numbers, 45 solo tackles. And the pass breakups to boot, I think the thing that they can do, he's he's so versatile. You can play him on the outside. He, he can cover guys. He can probably cover a slot receiver going across the middle. But then he can also take you out. So between him and Hamlin, they've got a nice duo in the back end and a bunch of older guys like even Jazzy Stocker and Mathis and Dane Jackson. They're all putting up numbers, man. And it's hard to find the weakness because with Brightwell and Bright and Johnson and Campbell at, at linebacker, there there really is no holes. Like there's no holes in this defense. I found a hole. It took me a lot of searching through a lot of numbers, but they haven't forced a lot of turnovers. So um, despite all of that production, the turnover numbers weren't, I was expecting to go to their turnover numbers after I went through each like facet of their defense. And I was like, this has to be a high turnover ratio. They haven't forced too many fumbles. They haven't made a lot of interceptions. So granted, if you want to go by Bill C's kind of methodology, those are just flukes, right? Turnovers are just flukes in, in the game. Yeah. But it, they kind of even out. Yeah. And they end up, you know, turnover margin ends up evening out over the course of the season or year over year. But that that was the only thing that I could find as a weakness in in this defense. Their run stop is incredible, and we're gonna have to figure out how to pass the ball against a pretty good and experienced DB core. Yeah, I'll take that ninety sixth rating they have in turnover margin. I'll take it. I, whether or not it's a fluke or whatever, we've been getting a little bit better at not turning the ball over, and. Hey, I'm glad to see a team that's not forcing a ton of turnovers coming into our house because I think that's the only way Pitt is going to be able to put up enough points to win is if they get turnovers. So don't turn the ball over, guys. I think Fuente and the offense, and particularly the offensive line, have a huge challenge ahead of them. I, I did like to see the fact that UNC scored, what was it, 24 points in regulation against them? Yeah. Something like that. Uh, they had to come back, but but they got it done. Uh, and so you can score on them, I, but on paper it's daunting. Yeah, it's it's daunting, and it, it makes me worried because of. Uh, I was excited about what we're starting to show on the field. A lot of misdirection, a lot of plays that we haven't really put out there before. But a lot of it was running the ball, 
is where we were showing the most, uh, I don't want to say depth or just athleticism and uniqueness in the offense that we hadn't seen before. And this is a team that could shut that down. I don't hear a lot about their linebackers, which makes me a little bit more excited uh, that we might be able to create some space and get some of those runs not necessarily as similar as Georgia Tech and and what we did in that game, but it it makes me worried, honestly, going into this game with that being the uniqueness of this offense. It's going to be tough, and and I agree with you. Like where our strength has been coming from is the read option game, getting the run game going, getting Hooker going in the run game, and that opening up the pass. That could be difficult in this game. I, I'm curious to see how Fuente attacks it. Uh, you got to get the ball out quick in this game because they're getting a ton of sacks, particularly on third down where we have struggled. It, it's, I don't have a good answer for what you do offensively, but I do have confidence that we have enough playmakers and enough creativity uh, within what we do with those guys to score some points. And I don't think you're going to need that many points to win the game. I, I, I really, with the way Bud's defense is playing, I think we're going to be able to hold them down. Can you get to 20 points, 17 points? If you get there, I think we can win the game. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think it's also nice to see what the offensive line does for us in this game. This is going to be the tale of hopefully two more games, but if nothing else, one more game. It, it It's going to speak a lot to what what we can do watching this offensive line go up against a tough defensive front, which I'm not I'm not excited about that for our prospects for the game, but I'm excited about to see how much they've developed. You know, every once in a while you need a litmus test and this is the first one in the tail end of the season that we're gonna get. One other hole I found was Pitt is fifth in the country in most penalties per game. So they're an undisciplined team. What would you expect from a Pat Narduzzi squad? And that could be that could be really good. That could be that just that little edge. This is the type of game you got to win on the margins. And so if it's through penalties or it's through like their bad turnover margin, the punting game, the kicking game, and they don't have a good kicker. We have a great punter. They get penalized a lot. Like that's where we're going to win this game. It's just in those margin areas. I, I agree with that. And our unlike last week, our punter doesn't look like a defensive lineman. So uh, for George Tech, that, that dude was... I know, that guy was big, man. Dude, he was... He was I, I thought he would just like take the ball and just start running with it every time. <laughs> with regard to the Coastal, we pretty much need to win both of these games to win the division. We could technically lose to Pitt and still somehow win it. But it's unlikely scenario, so let's not even go there. This is this is a game we got to win, and if you win this game, you got to be feeling good about the UVA game because we are playing really well. We're hot, and if we can keep it going, one more week of focus, and we have our chance to take UVA down with the coastal on the line, and that would be very sweet. Uh, if Fuente does pull this off, like everyone's takes from earlier in the year, including my own, 
are just like, God, I wish they didn't exist. You know what I mean? <laughs> I just wish I could get rid of them altogether. You can't deny what he's done has righted the ship. And even if we lost the last two games, the turnaround has been remarkable. It really has. And so I give him a ton of credit. You give him credit right off the top to the coaches in the cheers. And it's well-deserved. And I love it. A book should be written about what's going on right now. Like the team turned around so quickly. This should be, if you want to write a book about how to motivate players and get them to play cohesive as a team and, and, and stick through it during a time that doesn't, you know, go very well, this would definitely be a chapter in it because it's been unbelievable what's actually happened. And I don't say that from the sense of wins and losses, the actual play on the field is different. It does not feel the same. It doesn't look the same. The sidelines don't look the same. The players are, you know, just motivated and helping each other out. And maybe they always were, and I just didn't notice it. That's a possibility as well. But what's getting called on the field and where they're putting the players in position to be successful has changed. It's fundamentally changed. You don't lose to Duke that way and then go out and do a 45 nothing shutout to Georgia Tech or keep Notre Dame, which just had a great win this past week to you know, almost yeah, beat them. They destroyed them. Navy. Yeah, absolutely. And Navy's a good team. You know, you don't do those sorts of things unless it's changed. And I think the coaches, to their credit, came out and said, we take responsibility for this. It's going to change now. And the players may have always been bought in, but they're more bought in than ever. Yeah, it's you're right. It is nothing short of remarkable. Let's talk about these picks and then give our final thoughts on the game. First game we're going to pick is the Penn State at Ohio State game. This is one we've been waiting on for a little while now. Number eight Penn State goes to number two Ohio State. Ohio State, 18-point favorites at home. That is a big line for two teams in the top 10. Yeah, that's a huge line. And this game came out early as a nooner, which would have kept my wife from going to her first game in our new seats at Lane Stadium. So it came out at noon. Thankfully, our game came out as 3.30. Otherwise, she was going to send me off on my own. And I, I... I feel like I got to go Penn State here. That is a huge number of points. I know. Uh, and I know Ohio State's playing ridiculous, but I'm going to go Penn State here. Yeah, they've played two super tight games the last two years. And I guess the year before that was the one Penn State won with the run back block kick. 18 points is so many, and it, but it does seem right with how dominant Ohio State has been. I'm going to take Penn State because like you, it just feels like too many in what has been a close game the last few years. But if they won by 20, it wouldn't surprise me. Not one bit. Next game, SMU at Navy. This is a Navy team that just got destroyed by Notre Dame, but I'd like to still think is a decent team. SMU is number 25 now in the college football playoff rankings. They only have the one loss to Memphis going to Annapolis. I like the bounce back for Navy. I'll take them to cover. They're three and a half point favorites if I didn't say it. Yeah, I would definitely take I'm taking Navy as well. It just seems after after what just happened in that game against Notre Dame, I feel like they're gonna come out 
invigorated. SMU's a good team, so nothing against them, but I, I feel like Navy's going to do this. Next game, Texas A&M at Georgia. Georgia's number four and in the college football playoff if it started today. They're 13.5-point favorites at home. Georgia's defense is suffocating. Uh, I'll pick first again this time. I'll, I'll go with Georgia to cover. What do you got? I, I feel like this is going to be Texas A&M's time to kind of step up. So I'm going to go Texas A&M. Yeah, I, and their defense, Georgia, there's nobody can say anything bad about Georgia's defense. It's nasty, but I do feel like this is, A&M's going to end up having, what, like five losses, four or five losses this year. <laughs> They've had and a tough schedule, yeah. And they're, they're a good, not a great team. They're a good team, and they're just getting demolished. This is the time that I think they can finally do something and at least cover and feel like they have some stuff going into next year. Next game, Texas at Baylor. Baylor coming off the really disappointing loss, uh, the comeback by Oklahoma. That was that was rough for, for the Baylor Bears. They're five-and-a-half-point favorites at home over Texas. I don't know which way Baylor's going to go on this. It, it, like, Are they going to crumble because they just had that depressing loss, or are they going to bounce back big time? What do you got? Oh uh, yeah, I'll go first. I I don't think they're gonna crumble. the The fact that they are at the place where they are is incredible in and of itself. You know, this we are not that far removed from an absolute dumpster fire at Baylor, and credit to them. They you know they they righted the ship and they played well this year. I don't feel like this team has the kind of crumble factor that you would normally see because quite honestly, they never could have expected to be where they're at right now going into the season. If you, if you put everything back and rewind, reround it to like what they went through and I shouldn't say it that way, but all of the things that happened, then I wouldn't expect them to be where they are. So I think they, they should, they should do this. They should, I feel like they should smoke them. Yeah. Well, they were what? Even on the field, take away everything else. They were like one in eleven two years ago. So, so it's yeah. been pretty crazy. Um, gosh, I'll take Texas to cover Baylor to win. Next game, Michigan at Indiana. Michigan's number thirteen. They're eight and a half point favorites on the road. Indiana's obviously had a good season. They lost to Penn State last year, but kept it close. I'll take Michigan to cover. I don't love the pick. Indiana at home. I'll be honest. I haven't watched a lot of Michigan games this year since they kind of just fell off. People are saying they're playing really well. They are. Really, really well now. And then people are also saying Indiana is playing pretty well for for Indiana. I agree with you. I think they're trying to build up momentum for the Ohio State game. So I'm going to go with Michigan as well. Last game is UCLA at USC. I picked this game because uh, it was the rivalry game. USC did get ranked in the college football playoff rankings. They're number 23, and they are 13.5-point favorites at home. What do you got in this game? I don't think USC is nearly – I don't think they should be ranked 20. If, if USC is ranked 23, then we should be ranked 23. Because if the college playoff – is intended to pick the best teams as they're playing at that time, which is yeah. the point of the college football playoff. It's not your 
It's supposed to be a blend of body of work and how you look, all of that kind of stuff mashed together. I'm no, I I don't I don't believe it. I'm going to UCLA, and I don't. Even, I think the USC, UCLA could actually win this game. They definitely could. That's the thing about UCLA. They're kind of like Washington State. Whenever they're a two touchdown underdog, you look at them and you're like, yeah, they could probably still win. Like you just they're so hard to peg. But USC did just destroy Cal on the road, and they beat ASU on the road. Those are their last two games. The one before that was they got demolished by Oregon, but Oregon's very good. They beat Colorado on the road right before that. I don't know if they deserve to be number 23. They're 7-4, and four, another four-loss team that, that's ranked. But I will take um, – I will take UCLA to cover. I I think USC is good, but in a rivalry game, 13 and a half points, I, I'm going to take the points. And you know how much it pains me to take Chip Kelly, but I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah, as an, as an Eagles fan, that's got to that's gotta be like a stab to the chest, but uh, you got to go with it. So did you see the line on our game? I thought it was like two. It opened at like one and then moved to three. Did I get that right? Yeah, it did open at one. I think it's up to four now. Virginia Tech is the favorite. Four-point favorites. I do think we are going to win the game. I think we're going to be able to hold Pitt to a very low amount of points. I'm thinking 13-10, 17-10, 20-13, something like that, because I just feel really good about the way this defense has come together. <clears throat> we said it since the Miami game when we gave up all those yards. Like, why does this team, like, every individual player looks good, but the defense as a whole isn't good? It just hadn't come together quite yet. Well, it's together now. Like, it, it was together against Wake, and it was sure as hell together last Saturday. And with an offense like Pitt has coming in, this has a Bud Foster special in his last home game written all over it. And so I like I like the chances to keep it at 10 or under, and I'm wondering what the odds are on a shutout because I, I would love to see a back-to-back shutout. That would be incredible. I I would love to see statistically how often that happens at power five levels to get back-to-back shutouts because it has to be not against conference opponents right like wisconsin did at the beginning of the year but those were out of conference games yeah and power five versus power five in conference kind of games would be very difficult i agree with you i think i think virginia tech ends up winning i think pitt's gonna come out and score 10 points probably in the first quarter and a half and we're all gonna be sitting there clenching our butt cheeks kind of (laughs) saying oh no and then i think bud's gonna i think bud's gonna adjust and just shut it down after that and then we end up winning by a touchdown or two touchdowns yeah you you never know if if taser max just gonna run off a big catch and or if maybe kenny pickett has his best rushing game of the year you just you just never know i just feel like you said on the long four quarters of play we're going to keep it the the points down. They're probably going to keep our points down. So if we have to win it 13-10, I'm cool with that. <laughs> just just go out there and win the game because I still want a chance at the division, man. I want that UVA game to count for something, and I freaking hate Pitt. I hate UVA the most probably, but Pitt is right up there for me. I, I, what are your thoughts? What's the hate scale for you? 
I don't have that much hatred against UVA because it, it, we always talk about this. Like, yeah. I just, I just don't see it as a. I feel like rival- I'm required to hate UVA, but in actuality, I hate Pitt the most. Oh, I hate, I absolutely hate Pitt. Like that is <laughs> bar none, even more than like WVU, UVA, yeah. Pitt because they've probably, stuck it to us a bunch of times. <laughs> yeah, I honestly Georgia, Georgia Tech, I actually don't hate as much now that uh our our favorite coach is gone paul mm-hmm. and so now i can't hate them as much miami so I, has I'm, to be up there on the hate scale obviously but yeah but they've been i almost feel embarrassed for miami for how much talent <laughs> how much talent they have and how little success that they've actually had yeah. in that time period so pitt on the other hand just likes just, they're just an, they're just annoying you know they're kind of Although Iowa's not as hateable, they're kind of the ACC's version of Iowa, where like you go to Kinnick, like Minnesota, and your and your season gets ruined. That's what yeah. happens when you go to Heinz Field, right? Like it happened to Miami a couple years ago. It happened to West Virginia famously in 2007. Like Pitt will get you if you think you're hot shit. Yeah. <laughs> if you bring yourself down to their level and you don't think you're hot shit, and you get to play them at home, I like our chances to win this one. Uh, maybe not comfortably, but I like us to win and uh, feel good about it. And go and just be prepared if you're a player for like a bruising game. Pitt loves playing Virginia Tech. They they absolutely love this because they love playing spoiler. It's the same reason they had the they loved playing spoiler against Clemson in those games. It didn't end up mattering, but they love putting that one L on on their schedule. And it's bad. I would say the difference here is. We we can spoil them just as much as they can spoil us. We've got the same record, right? We're both competing for this coastal. We both want a piece of it. Um, they need more stuff to happen because they uh, didn't handle their business against UVA. But they still have a shot, and I, I like how it's kind of equal footing this year. We both have the same record, and uh, yeah, I, I you never want to be like the team that's ten and zero playing pit. You want you want to have like the same record as them, and that's what we do. So yep. I feel good about this weekend. Uh, we, me and Robbie are going to try to record early next week on Monday night, so we can get the UVA preview out to you Tuesday morning rather than Wednesday morning. So keep keep an eye out for that. But yeah, I'm pumped about this game. I think a lot of Hokies are excited about this game, and man, I hope we can win one more win, and then we get the big UVA face off. Yeah. It would be beautiful, but it was only at a different time. <laughs> All right. You can hit us on Twitter. It's at 2DVT, at 2DVT at gmail.com, at 2DVT on Instagram, and 2DVT.com is the website. You can stream all the podcasts, check out the stats Robbie's been keeping, and all the beers we've had over the years. Please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, and I guess that does it. Until next time when we've hopefully uh, clinched what will be the deciding game against UVA for the Coastal. Go Hokies. <laughs>